tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Black Dahlia, Brenda's Bunch, Bullock's Deadwood, and Dee Dee's Gone. And I'm your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted, an Unsolved Mysteries podcast. You sound very chipper today. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just the conversation we were just having. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, people will never know what we were talking about right before we pressed record. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it so, was, you, I mean, that joke you told it's me. It's a real zero percenter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but. Uh, yeah. What's going yeah. on? Oh, well, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be taking a trip out of state. Oh, boy. Where are you going? For the first time in, uh, I don't know, wow. a few years. Well, wow. no, we're, I, well, when I say out of state. The Sacramento, which is like two hours from Reno, so uh huh, um, it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm visiting a friend. It'll be the yeah. first time I've seen him in a few years, and uh, first time I've seen him since COVID started, at least. Yeah. So they're already like making plan. Even though I'm vaccinated, they're already making plans mm-hmm. to like have a lot of disinfected around and. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the socializing will be happening out on the back in the sort of aerated. Right. <laughs> um, do you think that's COVID related or are they just dissing you in a big way? <laughs> well, I, I certainly am always willing to entertain that sort of possibility, but I have been to their house before and they, they never took measures that extreme. Uh, also, I'm giving you a hard time. You're not like a dirty person. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I do clean up when when other human beings are I know are going to be around. Yeah, um, well, that's all you yeah. can ask for or expect <laughs> from someone. I think. Thank you for um, that endorsement of the adequacy of my hygiene. I yeah, I I feel like you're pretty hygienic, and I also feel like every time I've been to your place, it's been pretty tidy. Well, it it helped that the times you came up to my place, it was. Mm-hmm. pretty empty <laughs> that's true i mean not having a lot of stuff kind of maintains the illusion of tidiness <laughs> yeah empty equals clean uh yeah. in many ways so um, um but th- but thank you Ryan, i appreciate you, that what are you guys gonna do in sacramento my old my old stomping grounds your old that's right it's your there. old yeah if, like, man, if you hadn't moved down to L.A., this would be one of those situations where I'd be like, OK, I'll be staying at Howard's Place Friday and Crystal's mm-hmm. Place Saturday. And yep. uh, I'll try to max out how many restaurants uh, I can get them to go to. Uh, yeah. Well, are you going to go to any restaurants while you're in SAC? Well, uh, because of COVID concerns, we're not going to go out to dine, but we will we'll be uh-huh. get grabbing some um some uh dine uh what what's the name for it when you take food for i mean not uh-huh. to steal but like you go by and you you, you buy yes. the food and just leave with it you buy the food i think it's called takeout take out take out oh my god crystal i literally was having difficulty remembering that <laughs> um that word uh, so the, the, there's like, I guess there's some falafel place not too far that uh, mm-hmm. I haven't 
I haven't tried. So, uh, you know, he knows of my fondness for Middle Eastern and Indian cuisine. Yeah. You know, just basically oh, for sure. yeah, the southern whole southern uh, half of Asia. Uh, so, um, Robbie, yeah. there's a place when you come next time that I've I've since learned about. At Well, since you last visited, like I didn't yeah. really like know what was up, but now I know what was up. And it's like mm-hmm. an Israeli, but like pan Middle Eastern uh, restaurant Ooh. here in Sherman Oaks. Dude is killer. When we're like, we want like good food and we want like not to spend a lot of money. This is this is a spot. I'm telling you. So it's well, in your mind. I, I appreciate that. I did. Did we mention anything about that trip on the last pod? Are, are we keeping that mum or? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we mentioned uh, on the last second, the last pod that was released uh, that I got engaged. To be married. Uh, so the next time, maybe we'll see, see each other before then. I don't know. But definitely well, the next time we're going to see each other's for the wedding in January. Right. And if Connor yeah. wants to put that heavy metal, here comes the bride drop. He did the last time here. That's fine with me. Um, you were yeah, so excited about January. that drop. You you were texting me. Yeah, uh, I was like, "Hey, did you know our podcast is good?" <laughs> <laughs> I. Well, yeah, okay. I I, I just I, I guess uh, as as yet another insight to in the behind mm-hmm. the scenes of the recording of this pod, like it's kind of felt like it's been a while since we recorded that episode, so my memory was starting to get mm-hmm. foggy. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, one one thing I was thinking was like turn this like going down there for a wedding thing into like mm-hmm. two separate trips in a way uh-huh. or I, I'm not sure uh-huh. how what the right, right term like before I meet up with you guys and you know there's all the like wedding, you know, stuff. Yeah, maybe all I, the business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe like I could go down there a few days early for myself and just sort of uh-huh. like explore LA. And by explore yeah, LA, I'm, totally. I, I'm, and by explore LA, LA, like, yeah, like it's like, I could, I could rent a hotel. Cause I'm not like impoverished. You like, definitely could do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I know. It, it always, <laughs> it always, it, you know, it, it annoyed the hell out of me. When, when, you know, when I was, you know, stru- you know, in that struggle where you're like, okay, I, I have $20 to buy groceries until the next mm-hmm. paycheck. I always mm-hmm. got annoyed at people were like, Hey, how come you don't ever come on a tr- any trips with us? And da, da, da. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, like, all you need to do is buy the airline ticket and, and, you know, pay me half for yeah. a hotel room. It was like, dude, like, just like, <laughs> putting enough gas into my car to make it to yeah. work and back is, 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 is yeah. so like, I mean, living now in this era, where I have this job or I just like, I mean, at the end of this, this week, I'm going to, it's going to be payday. I'm still going to have my wallet's going to be still overflowing with cash. I, wow. I, well, don't say too much. I don't want you to get it robbed. No, 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 no. Well, you visit your friend. 
Oh no 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 yeah yeah just just enough to buy. I mean buy, this will have come out several weeks after <laughs> you've made that trip, but still, Robbie, well, don't you know? Yeah. So I didn't like post a bunch of pictures of my engagement ring and stuff all over Instagram because I'm like, I know what happened to Kim Kardashian. I'm not an idiot. I'm not doing that. I'm right. Trying, I'm not trying to get right. robbed over here. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Not that anyone would bother. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get robbed. So, I'm trying to get robbed. Yeah. Right. So so long story short, like uh-huh. I'm I may circulate in LA a couple of days before I join you guys yeah. on the trip to the and of course by you know circulate around LA, I mean circulate uh-huh. around the restaurants of LA. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could definitely do that. And in January, you know, hotel rooms are gonna be comparatively cheaper because it's off season, you know. Right. So right. I mean, already... or, you know, I mean, depending on you could even stay here, but I don't know. It kind of feels like I'll probably have my mom or something. Yeah. I Well, I yeah. I, I mean, I just but like, I don't really I, know what's going to happen. So I just I just automatically assumed like, you know, I mean, in any movie you see about any social occasion, like mm-hmm. so many like people descend on the house. That's like I mean, I've, I've seen your guys. This house is like there's there's not that many more extra rooms. So it's just like, yeah, you know, I'll. Uh, I, and I can afford a hotel now, so yeah. Uh, you know I'll, what you like, might want to do to like maximize your location, and and what I think you might want to be doing is is uh, maybe get a room in like um, like the Westwood area or like West LA because that would drop you into what is called Persian Square or Tarantulas, and that's where like all the Persian restaurant shops are. And like, we have Persian restaurants and stuff too in the Valley, but like, if you really want to be in the heart of that experience, plus oh. you'll be, you know, close to Santa Monica and then you'd be close to like other things. You'd be not that far away from me. I'm just up the four Oh five, but like, okay. if you want to have, and it's also a very nice part of LA. So if you like wanted to have like that experience, but also be super close to all of those really great restaurants and such that might be, what you want to look into? Ah. Just, just a suggestion. I would say avoid Hollywood. Hollywood is scary. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't stay in Hollywood. Hollywood is very scary. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, hey, I, Robbie, but you know what? That's like a perfect segue to this episode <laughs> of Unsolved Mysteries about how scary Hollywood really is, right? Yes. That's the first segment. The first segment in this episode Season five, episode thirteen of Unsolved Mysteries. I slid that right in there. Uh, nice. Uh, the the yes, the first segment is about the black Black Dahlia, which was something I knew of, but didn't had never really studied mm-hmm. too much. In uh, I, I I just knew the basics, like mm-hmm. some gal was murdered, and there was like some severe mutilation done to the corpse. And uh, I mean, I I know they made a bunch of movies about, it, but I never watched any. So, but um, uh, I was uh, uh, really excited. You didn't, you didn't catch the Ben Affleck film from whenever that was. I want to say like two thousand seven ish. Seven nine two thousand seven to nine. Yeah. It, well, I I <laughs> when I worked at Hollywood Video. There's a, there's another mm-hmm. Hollywood video reference for mm, all, everyone at home keeping track. Mm-hmm. I, I I seem to recall there being two Black Dahlia films that got released on DVD sometime in 2007. Yeah, there were there were two. One of them was called The Black Dahlia, but then there was another one. 
related oh, to wow. it. And it was, oh. and it was, I don't know if anyone remembers what that was, but the Black Dahlia, the one that was called Black Dahlia was definitely the one with Ben Affleck in it. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, let's let's get into this. Uh, the first thing I noticed about the reenactments, just broadly speaking, in this segment, is just there's a lot of bad wigs. Like the women have these like really atrocious fake huge wigs on because <laughs> it was like the, the 1940s or whatever. It's just like, right, oh right, and she, they were trying to match because when you look at the photograph of the actual gal, mm-hmm. yeah, she's got like the mm-hmm. big, big hair. Uh, yeah, she has big curly black hair. I, I'm not really, I don't have the same keen eye for, as you do. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was, I I mean, I guess I wasn't looking at the hair too closely. I didn't realize she was wearing a wig. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, I do this a lot with like Star Trek too, like, or any show. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a bad wig. (laughs) Like the wig is not fitting right. (laughs) Or it's just, or or it just looks cheap. I'm like a bad wig spotter. I'm like that's a bad wig. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, there's um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of fun period piece in this film. Yes, we got the cars, yes, we there got is. the clothes. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's um, because yeah, we get a real reenactment where they that when they located her her body. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but and and then also a little reenactment of a, a like her getting a lift uh mm-hmm. uh back to town or something and they're in mm-hmm. like this this really confined sort of diner setup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you know it's yeah. like just there's there's no booths just just at the counter um mm-hmm. i i do you, is that something you recognize from la is there is there some sort of um quiche? i feel like it's one of those it's one of those restaurants or cafes that's been used in a ton of uh, film and TV. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, it might be the Formosa Cafe in West Hollywood before it got remodeled. Um, that's oh. that was used in LA Confidential because it's got that real vintage look to it. But you know, there's a number of diners that uh, have been preserved in that way in LA. Yeah, because because they get used in filming, right? That, so there's that's, like seems like it would be you the know case. there's like a lot of preservation a lot of preservation no. There's a yeah. lot of preserved like looks in certain restaurants like Musso and Frank's and stuff like that because it's used a ton for doing mm-hmm. period pieces. There's an incentive to keep things looking the way that it used to because you can run it out for filming. Oh, so yeah. My, my theory is it was like Formosa Cafe, but I don't really know. I didn't I didn't recognize it per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, though, before we get into like the details of the segment itself. <laughs> Um, Stack, there's a little, uh, <laughs> scene with Robert Stack and he's, uh, apparently standing in some kind of lot, um, where that was very close to where the Black Dahlia's body was found back in the forties. And there's a shot of him and I, what I think is maybe, maybe the South side of downtown LA okay. behind him, but the air quality is so poor. <laughs> I like literally can't make out what's going on behind him. And he's like not that far away from what whatever those buildings are. I was like, damn, LA in the 90s was like people were really breathing that. I mean, I'm saying that on a very hazy day to August day today, but still like people were just 
living right. in that all the time <laughs> back in the you know 70s 80s and 90s it's just really really sick shit <laughs> it totally. happens sometimes still but it's not like it's that yeah it's it's not it's not anymore. the regular daily occurrence that it was no. back oh yeah. oh god i can't even i can't i can't even i just i noted how like disgusting the air <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah um but anyway yeah let's talk about let's talk about the uh let's talk about this very f- infamous case right oh the i Hollywood thought you crime in that open you were uh-huh. describing that opening with stack i thought yeah i didn't realize it was you know I thought you were bringing that up because of the shitty, shitty grin he has when he's like, "Oh no, I'm man. gonna leave that to you." Oh yeah, this ended up on the case. A man I knew got to know pretty well. Right, so and if we all remember, because um, either because I read to you from Straight Shooting, the autobiography of Robert Stack, um, which we've been doing. <laughs> Yeah. periodically over the years but if you happen to remember robert stack as an actor he was in the movie airplane of course but then he was also um in the movie elliot ness playing elliot ness so um he just was like really way too excited <laughs> to be talking about this role because he knew the man so well because he played him it was just like really actory and kind of gross that he did that <laughs> <laughs> well well i mean was was he in a movie called elliot ness also i I thought yeah. he was, I thought okay. Yes. Or a TV show. I'm sorry. It was a well, TV was, show called well, The Untouchables. The Untouchables. There's the movie I, called The Untouchables, right? There's the movie called The Untouchables with Kevin Costner. But right. I think there was a TV show where he played Elliot Ness before he got the Unsolved Mysteries game. You know, for some reason I don't know why I thought there was something more to you. There isn't. You're just like every other hoodlum in those files over there. The only one out of life is a hundred dollar suit and a roll of bills in their pocket. Give any one of them something longer than the menu to read, and they'd be lost. Exactly. It, it was a, It was like a '60s program. Um, yeah. Uh, if yeah, so, so, sorry, some, sorry, so, I said it was a movie. Yeah, it was. It was definitely the TV show. I I was suddenly like, you mean they did like a movie uh, adaptation or sequel to the show? I was I was so excited for for a moment. No, I'm sorry. Um, I just didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So he uh, he played Elliot Ness on The Untouchables. Uh, so he's uh, you know, he can't help but mention that every time Elliot Ness is mentioned in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, th- there's there's there ends up being a connection between the two. But yeah, the we get you know sort of the description of what was going on with. Uh, uh, the the initial Black Dahlia um, murder. Mm-hmm. Um, the the woman's name was Elizabeth Short. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know they describe some of the attributes of of you know the murder. It's some pretty grisly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can so. look it up. Like we like don't need to get into that. It's pretty well recorded. Right, right. I mean, it turns out that. At least Unsolved Mysteries is putting forward the proposition that this might be connected to a previous Unsolved Mystery. Mm-hmm. And then we get, because uh, uh, 
listeners of the show will remember the third season episode where Elliot Ness faced off against uh, what was was it the the butcher of Bay Row? Yeah, it was a Cleveland thing, right? Well, it was in Cleveland. Yeah, it was the butcher of Kingsbury run. Yeah, right. which was a he was this was a individual who was going around murdering people and just sort of he was beheading them and as well as cutting up other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a case that Elliot Ness never solved. There's other people that they kind of like talk about in this segment, like could have been it, like the guy that um, Elizabeth Short got in the car with because she was like in San Diego or something. It was like the last yeah. one she was seen alive. And she mm-hmm. got in a car with this guy that she kept calling Red. And I thought about how funny, because he had red hair. Yes. And I thought about I thought about how funny it was, like, in the 30s and 40s, when people could just go, go around call, giving someone the worst nickname based on their appearance. Like, hey there, Blondie. Or, like, <laughs> what do you say, Red? Or... Um, hey, Tiny. What you, what you doing, Fatty? Like, you, you could just do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's perfectly yeah, that, social. That kind of sucked. I'm glad. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. <laughs> it's just kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and well, and yeah, they they do mention these other possibilities, but they only kind of just briefly touch on them. The real meat of this segment. And I went back and I watched the previous Elliot Ness segment because I was like fr- interested. Like first. Are they just gonna like how much of how much of that original segment are they using to pad out running time in this mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. And there is some like they have the same scene where Elliot Ness is walking into some sort of central hall of a public building, and the reporters are like, "What's your priority going to be now, Mister Ness?" And now that you now that you're Cleveland Police uh, Safety Commissioner, it was some weird title like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and importantly, we also get the same depiction of like a person in a sort of a, a mental health hospital uh, who in the third season episode they posited might have been that butcher of Kingsbury run. Mm-hmm. And now they're they're putting forward the suggestion that this same individual might be the might be the murderer of the Black Dahlia. Uh, mm. And I was actually surprised. Either they shot a lot of original footage for this segment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a possible possible explanation. I'm wondering maybe that segment from episode from season three was just actually like really long and they decided to mm-hmm. chop it down. Like they originally uh-huh. were talking about, about Black Dahlia stuff and someone was uh-huh. like, you know, this, this is interesting and all, but like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, this is going to be one of those like 35 minute long segments. If we do that, we only need a, a, a tight 15. So mm-hmm. uh, chop all so that stuff So they decided to out. cut it. Yeah. They chopped it. They cut it in half. They drained it of all of its content and then they left it the 15 out minutes in, the, in that episode. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Um uh, only to, to be found by the police uh mm-hmm. days later. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I mean there there's there's some interesting you know, they have stuff where like a guy comes up to 
uh, they have this little reenactment where a police officer comes up to Elliot Ness and he's like, check this out. That guy might be in LA. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they depict Ness talking with some, you know, suspects involved in the case or, or, or whatever. Um, I was kind of disappointed, but I guess it really, it, it wouldn't make any sense for him to go out to LA cause he's a Cleveland police safety commissioner or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was really kind of hoping that that's where this <laughs> segment mm-hmm. was going to go. Like he was going to show up in LA. Yeah, like a Beverly I... Hills cop situation. <laughs> like a Beverly Hills cop situation, except instead of like putting bananas in tailpipes, he, you yeah. know, he just goes up. He's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to team up every detective with a fire marshal. That way they can search everyone's residences without search warrants. Second, we're going to round up all the hobos. This killer might be a hobo. And uh, those were, the, of course, the two of the ta- the the tactics he used in, in Cleveland. We've already, of course, discussed how Ness's strengths and bringing down the the mob in Chicago were not necessarily transferable to like trying to like forensically <laughs> figure out who a serial killer was. Um, we get sort of this ending like, yeah, you know, the thing is, is the the suspect he had in Cleveland, he voluntarily checked himself into a, a mental health place. As I guess like the suggestion by Unsolved Mysteries was that it mm-hmm. was sort of a informal arrangement. So that way, whatever powerful family this guy came from uh, mm-hmm. wouldn't be embarrassed. And Ness could be like, well, at least the guy's off the streets. Uh, but then yeah. right at the at the tail end of the segment, one of the people they're interviewing is, is like, oh, by the way, if you voluntarily check yourself in, you can also voluntarily leave. And so that, that was sort of the, uh, they put forward the possibility like, yeah, maybe just this guy just, you know, left once he, you know, no longer had to stay in there and went out to the West coast and started, started doing his grizzly ass shit. Yeah. That felt very like, there were some reenactments with this, whoever it is they're suggesting is the butcher mm-hmm. of Kingsbury. And there were some reenactments between him and like Elliot Ness and like, I don't know, I just, they were very, you were intending to make the butcher suspect very creepy, but I just felt like the reenactments fell kind of flat. They're just kind of Yeah, awkward. I, I wasn't intimidated you know? by this guy at all. He just seemed like, no. and, and I don't know, he, he spoke with an accent. So I kind of got the impression yeah. that like he came across more like. Oh, I am immigrant guy, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why right. I'm in police headquarters. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, I also, it was not. I don't. I was just thinking about it too about the last episode of Unsolved Mysteries we watched, and we had that segment, which had maybe one of the best reenactments of all time with a certain actor. <laughs> well, yes. if you listen to it, you know who I'm talking. You know what I'm talking about. I was just we like, know. oh, that was so. Everyone in it did such a good job. And then oh, it was there was intense. this where I'm like, this should have been like cinema quality stuff, right? Because it's such a well-known case. And like, right. there's so, there's so many little fun touches you could have done in the reenactment. And it just felt kind of, hmm. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, that last, re- that segment in the last one we did, like, there were car chases, like, actual yeah, car yeah. chases. There was crashes. There was, like, real acting going on. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in this one, when they bring the guy in, Elliot Ness, like, the most action that happens is Elliot Ness is like, Brian, bring this guy a chair. To which uh, this police officer, like, picks up a chair leaning against a pillar and moves it forward about three feet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They could have added some real drama of, like, Elliot really grilling this guy or... None of that happens. It's just kind of no. Like, it was just too no. bad. It's too bad. It felt like a wasted opportunity. I thought. Uh, yeah, I actually like. Yeah, I feel like. In, I was thinking about this when I was taking a bath earlier today. Um, that, because well, most people, if they know of Elliot Ness, they know him from the Touchables and and you know bringing down, Al Capone. And I was thinking it would be interesting to do a modern day Elliot Ness themed program, but it's all about him trying to uh, bring in the butcher of Kingsbury Row. And uh-huh. I, I know why, obviously, I, I assume they never touched upon that in the Untouchable show, of course. Um, they they be- may have. Did you ever watch it? No, but I mean, when I look at all the promo pictures and whatnot, mm-hmm. I very much get the idea that it was the sort of program for people who wanted to see like Robert Stack go around with a Tommy gun, like, you know, getting in gunfights. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's kind of how television was in the 60s, right? right? I feel like today in this era, we could have a direct to Netflix program where, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, Elliot Ness trying to, to stop the serial killer. And whereas like in the sixties, if you had a program that ended and on the guy on Elliot Ness, not being able to find the serial killer, people would be like, what kind of effing ending was that? But I feel yeah. like today's audiences would be like, wow. Yeah. You know, that's that ending. It's really open to interpretation. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this was a yeah, pretty intense sure. program. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think there, you know, and there's a huge market too for like this kind of true crime, but also period specific stuff. Um, oh. What you're talking about also sounds a little bit like the show Mindhunter, though, which allegedly takes place in the 80s. Oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah, but it's uh, it's people who were like who started the study and pursuit of understanding serial killers in the 80s in the FBI. And, okay. Um, so like. It could be like that, but like earlier. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I I've never seen Mindhunter, but I will take your word for it. And yeah, and and, and you know, it's just like it's it pl- could play on all those themes of like you know he brought in Al Capone, but like his tools are useless against this this new mm-hmm. new guys against and and whatnot. And yeah, I um. I'm glad I'm glad uh, I'm I, I'm glad we were we agree about this. Uh, maybe mm. maybe you can get some of your producer friends down there to uh, greenlight this project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my all my uh, producer friends that I have, sure, I'll right. talk to them. Post taste. Right. I was also That's thinking it. it'd be like a really good season of True Detective. Oh, okay, is that you know? 
Yeah. Even though True Detective tends to be fictional, you know, but. Well, um, I'm sure we can add plenty of fictional stuff to this. So. <laughs> Got to pad out that 13 episode season uh, somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that was that. Yeah, I, I there's enjoy. N- there's I, no update, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, just, just a, just a reenactment of Elliot Ness walking down the hallway. His career mm-hmm. forever tarnished by this. Our next segment takes us all the way across the uh, to the opposite end of the country. Yeah, and it spans two decades later. Right. Right. Uh, we go to Lawrenceville, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I yep. looked this place up. It has uh-huh. about 700 people who live there. So mm-hmm. it's it's smaller than Dayton. Um, wow. Yeah. but Is it in Appalachia, that part? Like the western part of Pennsylvania? Uh, well, it's actually... it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, technically, maybe it, it is... I'm not sure how far the Appalachian Mountains extend, but it's actually right on the border with New York. So at the very northern middle of the state. Okay, I mean, the. Well, New York goes over a lot of Pennsylvania. I'll look at a map sometime. It's fine. Yeah. But here's an interesting fact about the Appalachian Mountains. Are you ready for this? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Well, I wasn't, but I'll try. they, They, in fact, do extend. Um, all the way up into Pennsylvania. I've been, I've, I've been sort of in that part of Pennsylvania before. Very okay. beautiful country, by the way. Not going to hate on it. Had a lovely time. Um, and the Appalachian Mountains, okay, actually extend into Scotland and the uh, the sea towards um, Scandinavia because huh. they're so old that when. <laughs> There's, this is how old the Appalachian Mountains are. They're so old that when they, they predate the Atlantic Ocean, basically is what I'm saying. So when there was yeah. all that one land mass, right, that mountain okay. range was formed and then the plates started moving and, you know, you know, Europe moved away from the uh, that part of Canada and the northern northeastern part of the United States. And so that mountain range actually extends uh, not through the ocean, but like there are mountains that are part of that same chain that have been separated now by the Atlantic ocean. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think I explained that very well, but you guys can look it up. It's a real thing. And I just learned I, about it, it and I'm very excited. It's to a whole everyone. plate. It's a whole plate tectonics thing. Yes. They, they but get it the also idea. means that the Appalachians are very, very old mountain range. Ah. Older than the ocean. Think about that shit. But now we can talk about Lawrenceville in the sixties. <laughs> yes. We, we, uh, this is a lost love segment, but it was actually kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. it it's starts fucked at, up one. It is so fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we get introduced to Brenda Miller, uh, who is, mm-hmm. she's searching for some of her siblings. Um, and we get a, like a reenactment of their mother, Betty Nickerson, who is just like, just an absolute wretched human being yeah like truly the worst yeah she like she bought she bought a restaurant in lawrenceville and then so Mm -hmm. she bought a farmhouse on the outskirts of town Mm -hmm. and basically just dumped all six of her kids off there Mm -hmm. 
and we have this reenactment where Brenda's like, well, I have to go, I have to go into town now for the, to the restaurant. And, and, uh, uh but Betty is, is saying this to the daughter, Brenda and Brenda's like, well, you're coming back later. Right. Betty's like, we've been over this, which I feel like the way Brenda asked that they probably haven't. Pro- yeah. She, they probably didn't. Yeah. Didn't go over it very well. Yeah. But Betty has told Brenda, look, you can either drop out of school and raise my five other kids in this farmhouse. So I don't like apparently even have to be around them. Uh, I mean, she doesn't say that, but that's clearly sort of like a motivation or I can just like send them all off to different orphanages and stuff. And so Brenda was like, I guess I got to drop out of school. Um, she uh we get we get like some some you know some actually fairly touching like uh montages of reenactments of her like raising the kids and mm-hmm. you know she's like she's playing around with them she's making making dinner she's you know she's doing all the wash and the cleaning and whatnot um and yeah this this was just like whoa uh, i mean if it wasn't for the fact she had to drop out of like high school and like Mm -hmm. get stuck alone with her siblings, Mm -hmm. the house actually kind of looks kind of cool, especially like when you go Mm -hmm. inside and you're like, "Eh, this looks like a fairly modernish setup. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, maybe if, if Betty had at least given her like a stipend of cash, Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of like, Cause this is not too dissimilar from like fantasies I had as a kid of like, mm-hmm. you know, just li- living alone without any parent, without like a parent around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the thing is, is like not only did Betty like neglect the kids uh, emotionally, but I mean, I guess her her boyfriend would bring leftovers from the restaurant or something but still brenda mm-hmm. had to supplement the food with uh stuff from a garden and then they they mentioned like when winter came around um she had to go small game hunting and they have a little reenactment mm-hmm. of her like walking and sort of hunched over in the backyard <clears throat> with a, a rifle which i feel like mm-hmm. was just that was more they weren't trying to suggest necessarily she was going hunting in the literal backyard, but they just didn't want to, mm. <laughs> it was easier to just film it. Right. Like, well, just, ha- you just have, just walk away from the house. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Crouch down. All right. It looks like you're hunting. Good. But the house is in the background. Isn't that going to be, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, Brenda, obviously she feels, she felt pretty, pretty PO'd about this because she doesn't like whereas yeah. all of her contemporaries her age got to hang out and you know do teenager stuff she was like stuck in this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere raising her mom's kids uh, and like I said the the, the the Betty wasn't really didn't do much to support them so like at some point during the winter they ran out of fuel for the, the fireplace. So I guess Brenda had heard somewhere that if you cut up a tire and put it in the fireplace, mm-hmm. it'll uh, produce a lot of heat. Yeah. 
Now, at this point, when you saw her throwing pieces of old tire in their stove, did you go, huh? Feels bad, man. <laughs> you know, I, I definitely was Feels worried. real bad. Yeah, I was worried. I didn't realize. I didn't anticipate because what we get is a situation where the entire top top floor of the, the farmhouse is just destroyed. Mm-hmm. I was just I thought like. To me, the danger alarm was like, oh, man, the chemicals in that thing, that can't be, that's got to be dangerous to, like, be breathing that stuff in. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. So I, it is. Yeah. 100%. So, so, yeah. So, yeah. So I was worried for sure. Uh, yeah. fortunate, fortunately, I guess the as soon as she tried it, she ended up partially burning down the farmhouse. Uh, yeah. So they didn't have to breathe breathe in too too much tire stuff. Yeah, and all, all the kids were saved. Like they're fine. The yeah, kids were fine. And uh, you know, and in, in the way, it was kind of a blessing for Brenda because it meant that she, you know, no longer had to reside in that farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the Betty she sort of divides up the kids. Um. Mm-hmm. Like Brenda's sister got to live with the neighbor across the street from Betty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Glinda and Keith, the, the twins, um, they were put with some rando that Betty mm-hmm. knew. Uh, right. Brenda took Eric with, with her cause she got married, which like, yeah, I also, what, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what threw me for a loop because I, I get it that you know they, they probably didn't have time to like talk about her her romance with someone, but I was like the whole yeah. the whole thing up to this point was like oh they, they they live in this farmhouse and they never literally never see anyone except for like Betty's boyfriend who drops off food yeah. every now and then. Yeah, and that's like, definitely the impression that I got, but clearly the only person they didn't see was their mother. I guess other people were coming by. <laughs> yeah, house. right. Someone must have, because she she got yeah. married, um, yeah. and and I guess the guy was okay with the idea that they would be raising her littlest brother as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing is, is like that whole setup putting like six kids alone in a farmhouse. Mm-hmm. I guess by this point, this is in the '60s, so maybe we're mm-hmm. we're starting to get past that like Great Depression. <laughs> thing where like mm-hmm. random strangers could just swing by and like pick up your kids and legally mm-hmm. kidnap them. One boy, boy for sale. Can you imagine like how much Georgia Tan or Bessie um uh, what was her name? Bessie the Bernard. Other one, the one that, yeah, Bessie Bernard, the one that Elliot Nass busted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, all sorts of connections. Can you imagine mm-hmm. how how much, like, either one of them would salivate if, like, they were told, like, look, mm-hmm. there are six kids alone in this house with mm-hmm. no parents. Yeah. Like, you don't have I mean, to, you don't have to trick them or anything. You just go and. I want to take one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not, she's not going to take one. Like I see Georgia Tan, like she, she, like a truck has accompanied her car out there and she's like waving, mm-hmm. like 
it's backing mm-hmm. in and she's with, you know, gesturing like, okay, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the kids are all, they're all on the front porch. Like what's going on? Come on kids up in the truck, up in the truck. Yep. <laughs> um, um, I'm, I'm wondering when the baby market fell out though, maybe like right around the end of world war two. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think, I think certainly, yeah. In, in that po- in the post war period, uh, first, cause the great depression isn't going on anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, in the fifties, you had an economic boom. Um, and you know, they probably started passing laws and stuff to try to tighten up, uh, tighten up, sure. they're, they're doing more to monitor, uh, the situation where, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So it's, um, uh, and, and plus, I mean, this Betty broad would, wouldn't even fight it. Like, I'm sure if like mm-hmm. she learned that Georgia Tan had swung by and took away all her kids, she would have been like, Oh, well that's, that's a load off my, my mind. I can sell that farmhouse now. Um, so, um, part of this segment that was very confusing to me is that it seemed to me that two of the sisters were both named Linda. <laughs> I was and I'm like, I, what? And they kept saying Linda, they would be like, Linda, Keith, Butch, Eric, Brenda, Linda. <laughs> what? Both like, Linda's? Did the mom just get, was she just so lazy that she just <laughs> named two of her daughters Linda? I mean, it tracks. It follows entirely <laughs> that she, like, the, I mean, she. the woman dropped them all off to live in a farmhouse alone. Yeah. Like, I'm sure yeah. she doesn't, like. She she probably couldn't be bothered to like keep track of things like names. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was I was a bit confused at first about who was who because Linda, Brenda is like, wait, what? Who's who's what? Um, yeah, certainly the first time I watched the segment, um, they have a neat reenactment where Brenda goes up to visit like the two young twins, um, mm. and they're just like they're living they're just sleeping on the floor and they've mm-hmm. they've they've obviously gone to some pet supply store and bought some roaches that you would normally feed to like you know a a, a reptile and dumped it in a bowl mm-hmm. to like yeah there's cockroaches mm-hmm. all over the place mm-hmm. and so Brenda's like I'm taking the kids and whoever this rando person is that Betty left them is like hell you ain't I'm going to call police and Brenda's like Good. I want you to call the police so they yeah, can see like, what's going on. Yeah, she's like, call go- the cops, ho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want them to see what's going on here. And man, like, yeah. she really shut that broad down. She was like, yeah. oh, okay, just take them. Like, yeah. I mean, the the $20 your, 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 your mother pays me a month to, like, house them here is just isn't going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we get this the, the the confrontation where Brenda brings both the kids over to Betty's where Betty's living, and like when Betty comes out and her hair's done up in that like scarf, and she's mm-hmm. got the makeup on, like mm-hmm. I, I I guess they were they're trying to like play it like she was like trying to like live a glam lifestyle now. It's like I don't have the kids, mm-hmm. so I can I can I can look mm-hmm. I can look stylish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I won't look, I have to look like a mom and, and whatnot. Uh, but then when her boyfriend comes out and he's just wearing the, the white undershirt and the, mm-hmm. 
and, and, and the plaid, you know, over shirt. Like, it's like, wh- why, why are you trying to glam yourself up for this, this guy? Um, uh, but yeah, like he, and you know, so she gets, Brenda starts t- mouthing off to both of them and the guy is about to like hit her apparently with only one finger. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's, his hand is, it's the back of his hand, but he's extending his finger. So it looked weird, mm-hmm. but then like mm-hmm. Brenda totally like Brenda is like in these reenactments, I love how this like teenage girl, mm-hmm. she, she just like, she just has like the, you know, the best homing torpedoes ever. Like mm-hmm. she shut up that one woman at the previous house and she's like, and she just like, she just torpedoes. Like she can tell, like my mom's been lying to this guy. Like these kids are mm-hmm. hers. And the guy's like, mm-hmm. what? And he was just, I mean, you know, not horrified that like the gal Gowie's with is like, you know, just not wanting her kids around, but mm-hmm. obviously more of like, I didn't mean to get in a relationship with someone who has kids. Yeah. Um, like and so he's he's like totally discombobulated by by this revelation. Uh, and then of course we get a cut to like the kids are being let off by uh, a foster person the next day. This foster person looks like she's wearing a flight attendant's uniform, <laughs> 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 which I mean, I mean, it looks really stylish. Uh, uh, I, I guess that's uh, she she she's not like. Of all the of all the little kids we've seen taken away by by the authorities throughout and reenactments throughout the show, I mean she's probably like the least scary one. Um, prop, you know, she looks kind of young and she's wearing a flight attendant's uniform. Uh, and they drive she drives away in a pink car, and unfortunately, just the way things work out, like Brenda lost contact with some of these kids because. Um, uh, like, you know, the, cause the two twins got taken and then they didn't really go into the details. I guess she wasn't able to mm-hmm. ho- keep Eric cause, cause the, yeah. whoever, whatever entities were like, no, you're, you're just a kid yourself. So she, she like had to relinquish him to a foster couple. And then, you know, as things happened, they moved two years later, the house got torn down and they moved. And so we get like, uh, as updates, we sort of get like sort of a, this a staggered step based thing going on. Cause right at in the, right off in the, the segment, like Linda and Butch, uh, like Brenda has already found them. And so, you know, they, they, they give out an appeal and I assume Brenda's kitchen, but it could be someone else's whoever's kitchen it is, they have a sort of shallow glass bowl full of biscuits in it. So that looked really appealing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. You know, so it was, yeah. At the, at, uh, yeah, the, uh, what's his name calls the center, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, like on the, on the night of the broadcast, they got, they were contacted by, uh, I think Keith, Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, like, so they had a, they, they got to film a little reunion involving him. And then, um, 
Unsolved Mysteries comes in at the end and is like, and while that was going on, we got contacted by someone else. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, we sort of had a staggered, you know, it wasn't like everyone meeting at once, but like the whole family Mm -hmm. got brought back together. So, yeah. And you know, what's weird is that I was keeping track, right? Because at the appeal at the end of the segment, three so brenda uh butch uh and i want to say linda were all together they had found each other yeah so the missing ones were eric linda too and keith (laughs) it's actually not linda too i'm looking at the wiki now it's glinda so there was linda and glinda oh okay that that explains well that explains why the, the name Brenda, Linda, Glenda. I mean, clearly, God, mm-hmm. she clearly wasn't yeah. putting much effort into the naming of these kids. Yeah. Um, so, so at the end of the segment, Eric, Glenda, and Keith are missing. And so then Keith calls right after the broadcast. And then during, after that, um, Eric is the one, I think. Okay. Yeah. That shows up. Then Unsolved Mysteries is like, okay, well, now they've all been reunited. And I'm like, well, I'm only counting five. <laughs> there was a sixth one. And so for some, yeah, I'm looking at the wiki. It just says for unknown reasons, Glenda was not mentioned in the update. Although it can be presumed she's also found because that's what Unsolved Mysteries says. That they found <laughs> all of them. But I'm like, that's only five. Right. Six. And yeah, so maybe it, they were just like, oh, we already found Linda. Well, yeah, I... I <laughs> I, I did I did Maybe they I, had I, the same problem I did. I don't know. <laughs> or what I'm gonna guess is maybe Brenda like through some other platform, maybe a private investigator or someone or, maybe. or, or something yeah. found Glenda and since it was it a was non unsolved mysteries, maybe. They, they're like, uh, we don't need to mention that. We don't need to talk about that. We didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Um, well, Robbie, we are running long, and we've got two more. Seg- we got two more. Let's talk about. Them. Oh man, I'm so Robbie. I'm just like so excited. So excited! I I knew I'm when so I watched this episode, you were gonna be so so excited. I saw it in when I was looking at episodes ahead, like a couple months ago. I saw this one coming up, and I was like, yes. Um, so we are going to talk about Deadwood, South Dakota, 1876. Um, Deadwood is also my favorite television show of all time. I'm sorry it's not Unsolved Mysteries. In fact, the HBO show Deadwood that ran for three seasons in the mid-2000s, um, starring Timothy Oliphant, Ian McShane. Oh, God, who else was in that show? Oh, what, uh, was Was Powers Booth? In that show, Powers as well. Booth was in it. Oh, yeah, so man, just like, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, he was not famous until after the show, but his name—he played Saul Star. I want to say his name is John Hawks. Was also he's in a lot of indie movies. He was in that. Just, just a lot. Just if you took every great character actor and jammed them into one show. <laughs> Ah, I can see the appeal of such a program. So the Unsolved Mystery 
this is actually a unexplained, the unexplained or something. Mm-hmm. Is that what this is? Um, we're going to talk about ho- Hotel Hotel Bullock, which as of 1993 was a fully operational hotel in Deadwood, South Dakota, that had been built by the former sheriff slash business person in town, Seth Bullock. And Seth Bullock... In Montana, I had a hardware business with my partner, Saul Starr. And we do the same in Deadwood, which we came to in 76. I was marshal and territorial delegate in Montana, and I'm health commissioner and sheriff where we are now. I don't give a fuck. Who, in the show Deadwood, is played by Timothy Oliphant, um, is this uh, guy who comes out from Montana, and he arrives in Deadwood, South Dakota. And the way that they describe Deadwood, South Dakota at the time, they have a historian on Unsolved Mysteries that says, you know, you have a situation in towns where it's like 95% regular people and then 5% just real characters. But Deadwood, South Dakota at the time was the opposite. It was 95% characters and 5% regular people. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's just, there was just, um, there's just like a lot of wild shit going on in Deadwood. Okay. Um, the show is a, like a complete, uh, you know, completely fictional, but it's based on some of these real people. Um, you know, Deadwood is where Calamity Jane um, was allegedly involved with Wild Bill Hickok. Calamity Jane was also, quote unquote, plying her trade. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she worked in a brothel um, while she was in Deadwood. Uh, Wild Bill Hickok was actually um, killed at the poker table um, in Deadwood. So it was pretty, pretty well placed. And so Seth Bullock comes in. And he opens a store with his partner, Saul Star. And, uh, you know, they they come to him and they're like, hey, man, you should really be the sheriff. And Seth's like, mm, I don't really want to be the sheriff, but I guess so. And so apparently the legend goes he didn't even need to carry a gun. Because he could just, he was like your mom. Like your mom could just shoot you a look and you would know to stop doing what you were doing. Like he was like Deadwood's look. mom. Yeah, we oh, all know what man. that look is. Yeah. So, like, Seth Bullock was, like, Deadwood's mom. Like, he didn't even need to say anything. All he had to do was shoot you that look, and you knew you were fucking up. Um, so, uh, he, uh, he's taking his, taking his uh, sheriffing on the road, and he's going to go through the whole territory of South Dakota, because, remember, at this time, it's not yet a state. And uh, in 1887, um, he's out sheriffing. I guess he comes across these he comes across these guys and and he thought they were cattle rustlers and he was like who goes there and uh and uh they were no they're just some bros and they were out looking for their horse i guess their horse ran mm-hmm. away and they're like oh we're just looking for a horse and one of those men ended up being teddy roosevelt yes. um who was then the sheriff in billings montana uh which i did not know that did not know that Teddy Roosevelt had been the sheriff in Billings, Montana. <laughs> really? You, 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 you might as well just assume that Theodore Roosevelt did everything. It, I think that's safe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was he was a he was a bad dude. Um so Bullock and uh, Roosevelt, they, they become total besties because they're like, oh, we've both been sheriffs and sheriffing is so hard and we have mustaches and then they like exchanged lockets or whatever they did. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, they, uh, like you're going to mention the friendship tower, right? Yes. I'm getting. Oh, sorry. Sorry. About the friendship tower. <laughs> uh, Bullock actually ends up joining up with the Rough Riders too. So, um, 
And then eventually, we, of course, Teddy Roosevelt becomes the president and Bullock is actually there at the inauguration. Uh, so Roosevelt dies in 1919. So, you know, they've been friends. God, it's probably like, let me do the math real quick, about 30 years at this point. And so Bullock, who's still in Deadwood, South Dakota, uh, which is now a state, he arranges, uh, he builds this big brick uh, memorial called the Friendship Tower. And um, it's sort of an honor of, of Teddy Roosevelt. And so when Seth Bullock passed away only nine months after uh, Teddy Roosevelt did, he had it so that his grave uh, was on the hill overlooking the Friendship Tower in Deadwood, South Dakota. But that is a very interesting history lesson. We are here to talk about ghosts. One thing real quickly. I mean, because we all know that yeah. the, the teddy bear comes from Theodore Roosevelt. That's but, right. And when I when I saw this thing about the Friendship Tower, I at first I wanted to just laugh, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was just called that. Um, but did you know that? Yeah. But did you but did you did you did did you know that like as a result from from this and uh, this friendship between Bullock and Roosevelt is where we get friendship bracelets from. Wait, is it really? I was joking about <laughs> no, the no, is that no, a real no, thing? No, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. I had to, I, I was planning on saying, I, I was sort of like thinking of saying. I don't saying, know. I was like, maybe, because oh, I know like Joe right. Biden and Barack Obama gave each other friendship bracelets. I thought maybe right. it was like a long tradition of presidential friendship bracelets. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing was, is like, I was, I was considering saying this joke and then you mentioned the locklet, lockets thing. I was like, I have to now. I, I mean, it, it the grounds the grounds set, <laughs> um, but but I sorry, uh, you're right. We are here to talk about ghosts. The world ends when you're dead. Until then, you got more punishment in store. Stand it like a man and give some back. We're here to talk about ghosts, not b- bracelets and towers. <laughs> uh, or are we? I don't know. So, very long story short, they, Unsolved Mysteries does a really great job of doing some fun reenactments just in talking about Seth Bullock's life and his relationship with Teddy Roosevelt and setting up the sort of era that Deadwood was in. So, Deadwood is, you know, in the present day, which is 1993. Uh, Deadwood is a, uh, it's a boom town. It's very touristy. They have low-stakes gambling that people can do there. The Bullock Hotel is currently operating. Um, so Mary Schmidt, who, uh, is the hotel, current hotel owner, and she says, um, that over 30 of her hotel employees throughout the years, and then several guests have had some interesting things going on in the hotel. Um, and then it just kind of, I don't know, it's just like not that great of a ghost story because the three examples that they give was there one employee that was like working in the basement and then like he was like turned around unlocking a door or something and then the shadow like fell over him and then he turned around and there was nothing <laughs> there yeah um okay and then there was another guy uh who like was walking through the bar and he says that all the stools were arranged straight up against the bar and then he goes back in the stock room or something he hears a bunch of weird noises and he comes back out um and then all of the stools had been moved around you're right no human being would stack books like this and then, 
Uh, finally, maybe the spookiest one is a teenage, an unnamed teenage employee. Um, he uh, was in the back of the restaurant, and he actually does see an apparition uh, wearing like Western attire, and he was he was certain that there was it wasn't a real person standing there, that it was a ghost, and he just like mm-hmm. ran out of there screaming and quit his job. Um, and all of this is leading up to some like real weird shit with this British guy. <laughs> this is this is the part of this segment that just made me roll my eyes. Yeah, here's the weird thing: is this British guy who they're introducing as a mind medium? <laughs> for the hell that is. <laughs> um, his name is Sandy Bullock. Yeah, and he says, you know. Um, in 1991, he started getting these messages from this spirit named Seth Bullock. And Sandy thought, oh, this is my ancestor talking to me. Because he's in England, right? He's, like, not right part of this, you know, Old West mythology, right? So he doesn't know, like, a Seth Bullock. Um, he didn't see Deadwood. Deadwood's not a show yet. <laughs> right. He doesn't know. And uh, so then there's this really uh, unfortunate reenactment of Sandy, like, receiving messages. And it's not only from Seth Bullock, but it's also this Native American ghost, too, which I, I somehow was... makes this whole thing legitimate, I guess. <laughs> I It's so, yeah, because when, when he was describing that, I felt like he, he, like, he threw in the Native American ghost to, like, give it some legitimacy, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so just a... I guess. Yeah, it was just not that was unfortunate. I want. I wouldn't. I wouldn't rate it problematic. It was just unfortunate. <laughs> I, f- unf- I think it's unfortunate for that native that that spirit of the Native American guy, like mm-hmm. like to be dragged you... into this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, can you imagine you're sort of like wandering in some like void in the afterlife and like mm-hmm. and, and Bullock... I can't imagine. I think about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Bullock like approaches you and he's like, "Hey, I really need your help." I need to I need you to translate. I'm not sure why I need translation uh, for me uh-huh. to 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 speak with a a psychic in England so that uh-huh. he can tell the the people in the town of Deadwood that I don't know increasing the limit on the low stakes gambling from five dollars to ten dollars that mm-hmm. might that might cause some some trouble. And yeah. like, can can you imagine? Like, hmm. like, what what do you even say when you're like, like being propositioned with this? Like, like, I mean, why should he even help him? Like, your people drove my people from their land, and now you want me to, yeah, translate to you to some like bullshit fake psychic, who yeah. who's um, to warn about low stakes <laughs> gambling limits? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. So Sandy writes a letter to Mary Schmidt, the hotel owner. And uh, she's just like, okay, you know what? This dude read a book about Seth Bullock, whatever. Okay. So she she sends him like this test question back in a letter saying, um, who was the well-known person who was a close friend of Seth Bullock's? How is Bullock's grave position in relation to that friendship? I also feel like, you know, if you had a book on Teddy Roosevelt, maybe this is like in there. Maybe you know this. Feels like a pretty good Jeopardy question. 
Yeah, yeah. I, it's a Jeopardy question. I mean, at the very, like, because, yeah. yeah, if he's read a book, like, at the very least, he knows about the friendship. The, the positioning of the grave might be a little, um, uh, involve a little bit more work. I mean, especially like mm-hmm. you, you just can't go on Google Maps or anything. But right. I, I, I feel like 1993. Yeah. And it's 1993. But I, I don't know. Was he ever did, did this this guy ever visit America beforehand? Like, what we if he know. just. Yeah. What if he just we passed? What if he was doing like some like tourist thing and he passed through Deadwood and he, he learned about the he was like, oh, that guy has the same last name as me. And he learned all this stuff and he just held on to it for a while. It's like. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what happened, but maybe it maybe it did. You know, I think as a segment that is obviously there's no update. Like, what's there to update? <laughs> the update yeah. is then in like 2004, a show came out called Deadwood. It rules. You should watch it. I guess it's the update. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, there's no update. And what I the segment really was very was very interesting and well done when it came to kind of explaining you know what the vibe of Deadwood was that there was this really interesting friendship between Seth Bullock and Teddy Roosevelt which I had I did not know existed didn't know about the friendship tower like there was a lot of interesting historical tidbits in here um, mm-hmm. as a ghost story it was pretty shite I thought yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they're like we need to. Maybe like they they're trying to make it a a supernatural segment, and then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we don't have enough. Let's just let's throw in some historical context that they'll pad out some time. <laughs> yeah, maybe well, about, about I mean, three quarters I, of the segment. <laughs> it it definitely heightened my interest in in visiting Deadwood, South Dakota, which I've I've wanted to visit since you know that's like my favorite television show of all time yeah. um because because it because it is such an enigmatic place and such an interesting bit of american history um so as a commercial for uh hotel or the bullock hotel like i think it was successful <laughs> all right all right well good good news uh, okay. for the bullock hotel yeah i wonder if it's still open i'll have to i don't know if anyone knows you can like let us know on social like if you've been yeah. there or if you've been to deadwood i would love to i'd love to hear about your experience um right. so okay yeah we're running super long so okay, okay we need to talk about dd rosenthal real quick there's a it's a missing person segment um the long and short of it is there is a woman who's uh she's a licensed therapist or something and mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff which in the end really doesn't matter because there's this mysterious woman that um, shows up at this bar in 1991 and the bartender thinks it's this missing woman she saw on the flyer for Dee Dee Rosenthal. Um, and so Unsolved Mysteries is kind of like, oh, hey, maybe Dee Dee was this woman that was seen uh, at this bar because Dee Dee's been missing. Um Anyway, just Dee Dee went missing and I guess I want to say 1991. Okay. So she is missing as of February 25th, 1991. And then I guess this bartender saw someone who matched her description on March 1st, 1991. Um, so she's reported missing by her colleagues. Um, her co-workers notify police. They go... They go to 
her Dee's apartment like something things were not taken out of her apartment if somebody had left willingly basically um the front door was unlocked sunday paper was untouched uh no signs of a struggle um i guess she was set to be evicted from her apartment which is weird um I, she had a bunch of financial troubles that they outline a little bit um yeah. there was a th- the, the, the really, there was a lot of emphasis on the cat the cat was outside on the patio and her friend said, you know, Dee Dee loved that cat. She took that cat everywhere, which, okay, that's kind of weird. Like cats not really <laughs> a pet that you should be taking everywhere. Okay. But Dee Dee took the cat everywhere, whatever. But cat, but she would not have left the cat just out on the patio without food or water. Or, she wouldn't have done that. And, and as I think, you know, most pet owners wouldn't willingly just leave no. their pet out so um that was definitely an indication something was just totally wrong uh so making a very long story short the question becomes you know is this uh woman that was seen in the bar is this Dee? Dee? um the police seem to think she was probably murdered um there were some weird sounds that happened like early on a Sunday morning. So no one really knows. Um, then there's this other mysterious woman, Lori, that people think might be Dee Dee. Uh, and then also Dee Dee's aunt. After Dee Dee's gone missing a week later, Dee Dee's aunt Celia gets this phone call where someone's saying mama. And then Celia thought it might be Dee Dee. And then the caller says, I'm okay. And then hangs up the phone, which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. And, uh, then yeah and then on april 15th there's a tip that this woman lori or dd dd lori might have been in florida there's a lot of weird phone calls to the police something about a biker bar whatever i wasn't paying a ton of attention to the segment because i just got so horned up for the deadwood segment and i was too excited <laughs> to pay attention i was not expecting this final fourth segment anyway the de- none of the details really matter because we get an update <laughs> and the update shows that, like, as you say, none of those details mattered. They're entirely oh, superfluous. No, none of those details mattered at all. And um, so the update we get is that in uh, 1995, uh, Charles uh, Reddish uh, basically confesses to Dee Dee's murder. And he was the mm-hmm. um, handyman uh, at her building. So he had basically access to her apartment. Mystery solved. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. And he got like two life sentences plus 60 years for good measure. And he's going to die in prison in the end. But they never did yeah. find Dee Dee's body. So no, even though I guess Charles kind of told police sort of they could find it, but they didn't find it. So he also did, uh, according to the wiki, he did a ton more crime, but the, that's not really relevant to the unsolved mystery at hand which has been solved um well if you enjoy this program (laughs) you can follow us at reenacted pod at twitter uh send us an email reenacted pod at gmail uh, facebook go on itunes give us five stars um yeah please uh, yeah if you liked the podcast please do that please great it'd be so good for us um also we have a patreon and i just dumped a dumped it just kerplat i dumped a very special episode that only our patrons patrons our rumpers 
are going to be able to enjoy because they so generously help us keep this thing going. So they get special episodes and there's one there now. Um, I won't say anything more about that, but if you want to help us out and keep this ship afloat, it's patreon.com slash reenacted pod. I also always put it in the show description so you can just go ahead and click on that and become a rumper and get cool shit. Robbie, do you want to do the thing? Join me next time. Perhaps you may be able to solve a mystery.